Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. After 12 years of doing this podcast, I'm amazed at where it's taken me and the people I've been able to speak to. This is episode 300, and I'm now part of the Waypoints TV network. Follow Waypoints TV on social media, download the app, and get yourself exposed to so much high-quality outdoor content that it might just make your head spin. TV shows, podcasts, DIYs from the leading expert in the outdoors today. In this episode, we're going to talk to Dave Kyle, find out what's been going on at PA Fly Fish for over the past quarter century. This episode is brought to you by Solo Stove. They are smokeless fire pits, camp stoves, and grills. Your current fire pit is made with 10,000-year-old technology. Upgrade to this perforated metal cylinder that will mesmerize your guests. Currently, they are on sale with a free base. So visit my site or my social media to clink the Solo Stove logo or icon and help support my small business with every purchase you make through my social media. This is episode 300 with Dave Kyle. We're going to check in with him in Maryland, not Pennsylvania. You ready to go? Yep. All right, Dave Kyle. So this is the 300th episode of this podcast what's going on keeping busy right now looking forward to fly fishing here that uh now it springs upon us so things are going great and congratulations to you on a 300 podcast that's yes. quite an achievement it's been quite a while it's not as old as your pa fly fish forum but it's it's up there well that's a lot of dedication anything past uh any number of years and and 300 being i'm assuming many many years is a quite an effort and dedication that's 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 awesome congratulations Indeed. podcasting is much easier now than it was 
12 years ago. What was the hardest part for you? It was coding XML. And if you missed one end tag in 500 lines, it wouldn't upload. Yeah. And you had to do all the coding yourself. And that was just easy. That's a little bit like what I had to deal with early on getting this thing started that I'm involved with. Um, there was a lot of self-training and, and being taught on teaching myself how to do things like HTML coding. And, and some of it was PHP and just a variety of things that um, I was aware of, but not familiar with. And I had to spend a lot of time uh, really trial and error, trying to make it all work successfully. And I'm sure you did the same thing. Indeed. Where are you right now while we're talking? Sure. Uh, so I'm in Maryland, actually. <gasps> Wait a second. So you do have a Merlin phone number and did the people in the forum know this? Yeah, I don't keep it a secret that I live in Maryland now. And I grew up in Pennsylvania and have a long history of of starting off in Pennsylvania. Many years ago, actually probably 30 years ago, I moved to Maryland and was part of the uh, impetus for me to do the forum and site was to kind of keep myself engaged with what was going on in Pennsylvania. So as a result, I, um, you know, have lived here 99% of all my fly fishings in Pennsylvania, and I still have family and, and go back up that way quite a bit because I do uh, enjoy the state and the people and the fishing opportunities up that way. Have you ever been told you look like somebody for those listening, possibly in, in Ireland or Saskatchewan? Who would so, you look like today? Or yeah, today would be a tough one. I do remember as a, as a, when I was younger, I'd say in my, my 20s, that people used to say I, I looked like Tom Petty. And I think it was just because, you know, people with blonde hair, you know, all look the same to people, you know, kind of thing. So um, that was my uh, doppelganger, if you want to put it that way, back in the day. So if someone was to. Most excellent. As a, a Marylander now, how did J.K. Dobbins do in his first season in the NFL? <laughs> <laughs> I watch a little bit of football, but I've been watching a lot of football this year. Okay. What do you, are you, are you, uh, which? Oh, I married into Ohio state. So, okay. Yes. I, I know your, your PA people are like hiss and boo, which is why I've never worn an Ohio state outfit at the Lancaster show. Yeah. You get in trouble for something like that. I thought Dobbins did pretty good though. I mean, Excellent. I want to get too, I mean, I, I think that there's some, complications this year in all of football whether it be you know ncaa or nfl you know everyone got off to you know penn state got off to a rough start it took them a little while to kind of recover they were losing to some situations they shouldn't have lost and but then ultimately they kind of found themselves and i think this this whole year for everybody in sports was a a weird and wacky one so um, i really didn't think nfl was going to get to the super bowl yeah, I'm surprised they pulled it off. I mean, they were kind of, I think, well thought out starting back in April or May uh, and, and then trying to look longer term. Everyone was sort of scrambling in May and June what was going to happen. And they were looking at September and just determined to find a way to make it work. And yeah. I'm hoping the NCAA, you know, going into the year coming up can make it work. I'm actually hoping to get to a Penn State game um, this year uh, in September. So let's we'll see if that comes back around for us. Fingers crossed. I will look for you in the crowd with your white shirt. Yeah, I'll be there. Yes. So back in the day, why did you decide to set up a a website to organize fly fishing and fly fishers in Pennsylvania? What was the, what was the light bulb going off in your head that said, you know, I need to get something organized here. So a lot of it had to do with a couple, couple different things intersected together. One was uh, I used to work for Apple computer at one point in time in my career. 
they were promoting a lot of this early website technology, meaning that they had web servers um, with some third-party software. So I was involved with some of those things from a technical side, getting those set up, helping other people understand how that technology works. And, you know, back in the, when this first got started, people didn't understand you could publish documents on the web. So I was kind of involved with some of that um, marketing training aspects of some of those things. Um, and, and for myself personally, I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. I mean, we can take things that we know and put them on the web. So it could be a, I'm trying to make it reasonably concise, but I was a geography major in college at uh, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. So I had a lot of studies in uh, mapping and uh, spatial interaction with people and their environment. So the mapping part of me kind of connected with the idea of I knew, I do know there's a lot of places out there that people can fly fish, Pennsylvania being the place I always like to go to. And there's a lot of awesome books that were written by some fantastic authors out there over the years about where to fly fish across the state. So I was taking some of these ideas and then also going to the idea that, you know what, some people took some, took some time to teach me how to fly fish. What can I do to give back to the sport? So that's when I sort of created the site, originally PA Fly Fish. Um, and for those of you at home typing along, you can look at paflyfish.com. Much different today than what it was when I first started. It was really just a series of maps. And I took uh, basically all 67 counties in Pennsylvania, mapped them all out in very crude maps, and put the most prominent streams on there. So people, you know, 25 years ago could get online, find out where to fly fish in Pennsylvania with a very crude map as to the name of the stream, its location, and things like that. I evolved it from there to where it is today, which is, you know, it was an interesting evolution where, you know, I started off creating some these maps, I added more content to it. People started sending me emails. I put it, started putting their questions up. So I made a Q&A section. I put more information about how the state was uh, licensing and closed and open season. So I had regulations put on there. And then I people started emailing me pictures. So I started putting pictures up there. So this is, again, all before there was any kind of database backends any of these things. This is all HTML-based. And finally, I got a little overwhelmed with the number of emails I was getting, and I started realizing some of the questions that were being addressed towards me was out of, out of my league, and I figured there's a lot of smart people out there. Let's find a way to connect these people with uh, good questions with the people who really have the better answers. So I, I created a very crude forum um, with some other back-end software and started that, and there was no authentication. You know, people could just post their name and email and phone number and all kinds of stuff on there. This is really early on. And that got going pretty well for a while. And then the idea came to me, which is kind of a, a thing I really like a lot, is the idea of stream reports. And it's not just, you know, a lot of people think, when you think of stream report, Rob, what do you think of? Clarity, levels, hatches, what should I be fishing? And that's exactly what I think. A lot of other people think it's, hey, let me show you what I caught today. And I wanted to create a database that would allow people to not look at a fishing report, but look at, like you said, a stream report. And in there, those same things are really critical. So I've always tried to maintain on the site a second database that was allowing people to add that information in. So historically speaking, you can type in, and I'll fast forward even today, you can type in um, Green Drakes. And uh, you can look and see, you know, where they had hatched by people who had put reports in and when those hatches were starting by a stream report, not a fishing report. So that got started, you know, then over the, along the way, I had actually had the server underneath my desk in my office. 
and that was kind of funny because people would like send me text messages and emails and saying, Hey, your server's down. So I'd have to either go back in the office or the next morning I'd have to restart it. And so it was really kind of a bootstrap kind of thing. And, and it was really that dedicated. It was more of like a, you know, a little bit of a hobby that I was just sort of working on. So it got bigger, got to be a lot more fun. And then I had a few people kind of emailing me and call me and say, Hey, look, dude, this is getting pretty good. You need to do something more than just trying to, you know, put this together with you know duct tape and, and glue, you need to get a little serious about it if you want to make it anything worthwhile. So that's where along the way, I, I, I graduated to what's called a content management system. And that allows for, you know, authentication of users, you know, usernames, things like that kind of is the basic structure of where it's at today and more, a more mature, modern, contemporary site than the, the hack together kind of thing that it was back in the early 90s. Are any of the original users and visitors still active? Yes, I made some of the moderators. So the people that were pushing me to do more with the site, I simply turned to them and said, okay, why don't you be a moderator then if you want to help me out? And they did. And that's really been quite a lot of the success of the site has been that, um, you know, and you've probably seen it too. You know, we talked about the evolution of some of these things and what's happened on the internet. And and it's been, I always say, Sigmund Freud would have a field day and be able to write any number of books about how people have transformed and conducted themselves on the uh, internet. Indeed. I've certainly had a chance to see all that firsthand um, over the years and 25 years of managing people's content and comments and and grants and behavior on the internet. It's a very interesting thing. Yes. Once you are anonymous, you can get away with things, which is why our forum, the title Potomac Fly Routers, try to have people use their real names right. when they can. Eliminate the anonymity. Uh, I think even, it's, it's interesting to me, you know, again, you can look at all social media, people even with their authenticated names still behave in, yeah. I always said, unimaginable ways. And if you sat next to each other in a bar having a drink, I don't think people would ever conduct themselves that way, but they find a, that the distance created by the internet transforms them and, and lets them um, behave in a way that otherwise they never would have done. So have you had to go in there and regulate some, some hooligans? Oh my gosh. That's been the story of the site. Really? <laughs> that's how it survived. You know, if we didn't regulate the hooligans, we'd, we would have been like every other forum out there and gone by the wayside. Okay. Um, we've really had to take some proactive um, measures. You know, I always tell the moderators, there's no playbook off the shelf that we can pull off and read from and decide how we handle this. We've got to create our own policies, ground rules, and, you know, kind of live to those standards. I I think that we've tried to do all that. I mean, I'm certainly people would look to Dave Kyle or even the site and go, wow, they're a bunch of jerks. They, They kicked me off or they, they didn't treat me very well. But I think we've always taken an approach where, looking at the situation and what was going on was how would I want to be treated? You know, do I need to help someone counsel them a little bit on what they're saying, what they're doing? Do they even understand they're, they're being a bit of a jerk? And again, understand, you know, 99% of everybody on the website is, is are awesome, nice people. Some people I would just say end up having circumstances in their lives, a um, little bit of alcohol, uh, the anonymity thing, and it can really transform someone who may have been a good person into somebody who just over a period of time just decides to, you know, take out their own personal frustration, angers in life and other people that they can't really touch, see or talk with directly and, you know, just blast people in a certain way. And that's unfortunate on a forum where you're supposed to be together for one reason, which is the fishing. Yeah. So, I mean, the good things out of the forum were that 
and what's what evolved there and we had to create sub forums basically which was the good thing you know so you list some off, of those while you're at it yeah sure so so the general things were things just like you know general forums so people are just going to talk about fly fishing general topics and things like that and quickly you know there was this scattering of all kind of topics that were happening and then you started realizing well, let's categorize some of these these conversations so there's things like gear talks if people are talking about specific fly rods or gear and things like that and that's pretty focused um evolved into a, what i call a beginner's forum and it's really targeted for people who really just are brand new to the sport don't don't want to be intimidated by trying to post something on the general forum but know that it's a safe spot to ask maybe what could be a a question they're not really confident in, but not no one's going to blast them for it. And then there's other areas that uh, one of my favorite ones is the um, hatch, and and what we do in that forum, the hatch forum talks about all kinds of flies you might see, and, and allows people to post pictures and ask questions, and so it's an entomology section of the site that becomes pretty good of course there's a fly tying section and a lot of guys on there and women are, are sharing ties and videos and things like that there's a swap section so you know if somebody wants to unload a piece of gear they no longer are using that's available and pretty popular uh, conservation there's a stream report section as i mentioned earlier um there's the kind of off the water spot which is meant to be kind of just some spot people can talk about football or anything cougars or or sasquatch or anything else they come across while they're out in the woods and the wilds have there been cougar and sasquatch sightings absolutely are they real probably not but there's always sightings that's what i figure so it's it's good and there's been reports of that of course in pennsylvania you can type in sasquatch pennsylvania you'll come up with all kinds of silly reports the same thing with cougars yeah, if you if you Google cougar in my hometown, it takes you to the bars and the women that, that go there. <laughs> Someone said, oh, there was a mountain lion in Reston. So I Googled Reston cougars, and it talked about the women at Reston Town Center. There you go. And I think that's the different type okay. of cougar. Different type of cougar. Now, it's always, you know, Pennsylvania is a, a fantastic state, and it's huge. And as a result, the, the wilds that are in Pennsylvania, um, and that's but I think Pennsylvania is so what just makes it so cool is you have you know urban areas like philadelphia or pittsburgh but you have incredible wilds um and i even go up that way not only to fly fish in some of these areas but like in the fall they have elk and you can you know follow the elk around a little bit and you know so you're you're out there in the wilds not only you know fly fishing but seeing mountains and eagles and elk and all kinds of wildlife and stuff like that so you really get a chance to get away from it all yes so in that forum you know, I'd say that you find all those typical things that people are chatting about. Um, and I think the difference in how we've handled it over the years is is going back to your earlier question. We, we've moderated it pretty, pretty heavily. We put up some policies. Um, the, the biggest and challenging one over the last, I'd say, five years is we've had to cut out politics. Yes. You know, that's, that undoubtedly devolves into some horrific argument, you know, left and right that uh, no one seems to be able to stop for themselves. You know, it's, what about misogynies? You know, one woman posts a picture and then every dude has to comment. It's always uh, about the fish and then the girl. Um, and it just gets like you see that on the fly fishing forum on Facebook. And it's uh -huh. just like, it's just old. It's gross. Yeah. I are there things that are just just don't fly on your forum? Well, I mean, the the I try to moderate. We the team tries to moderate 
the most obvious. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to, and I don't want to be someone that controls everyone's views. I don't want people to harass each other. I don't. You know, there's no need to bully, and that was not something we intentionally came up with. It just seemed like if you're bullying somebody. That's not going to go well. There's no reason to be personal and be mean to people. It just doesn't work very well. Politics, of course, as I said already, you know, just just disparagement of others. Now, the other things you're talking about, that becomes very subjective. And it's really hard to kind of, you know, take um, someone's good intentions. So that's the question we always ask when we're moderating. What's their intentions? Okay. Are they doing something bad, but they're intending to be good? You know, it's, and that's hard to moderate people's intentions. And sometimes there are people that are making jokes that be interpreted as being as something that's wrong or, or disparaging. And really it's just meant, meant to be fun. So, and part of the moderating process for me is trying to reach out to someone who's, you know, saying something inappropriate in a manner that you question and go, do you know that you're saying something a certain way? And most people are going to go, no, I really wasn't trying to do that. I was just trying to make a joke. I guess it didn't come off very well. But there are people out there, and again, as we said over the years, have a whole process of trying to get rid of the, the bad eggs. And uh, some people are just just diligent about, you know, even when they're told and warned, and we have a whole process. And I don't want to just toss someone off the site for um, bad behavior without giving them at least a couple warnings to say, hey, look, you know, Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. You're conducting yourself in a way that really isn't fitting to the site. You know, this may not be the right place for you. If you want to go somewhere else and do that, that's great. But if you want to be here, you need to conduct yourself like this. And give them every every chance to correct the behavior. And I'm not looking to manage people. But I'm also not looking to babysit anybody either. Uh, and I think there's enough people in the site that are really good folks that you know don't want that kind of behavior. I think the other kind of thing on the site that we've tried to manage, which I think makes this difference, is we've... Uh, purposely not allowed people to advertise on the site. You know, a lot of people will, within this industry would come in and go, hey, um, I got a sale over at my fly shop or something like that. So anybody who's running promotions or advertisements are, are excluded from the site as well. And it's mostly because I don't want to be have that stuff, stuff shoved in my face. I want to be able to interact, engage, and deal with trusted people uh, on the site. And uh, we try to manage in that way. So, you know, anybody who's going to advertise it's clearly designated advertisements on the site. I have a few just to keep right. the site. You got, there's paid advertising. So do people yeah. approach you? And then does that just help fund the, the fees yeah. of hosting a site? Yeah. So I have some really long-term sponsors that have been fantastic in supporting the site and really appreciate them. They've been important as much as the moderators have. You know, there's some blocks around the site that say advertising. Anything else inside that site, you won't see advertising. You know, I've had some people don't agree with that. But, you know, they're like, well, I'm a member here. I can do whatever I want. It's like, no, you, you don't, you don't can't just join the site and then start promoting your business within the forum. I mean, and people, I don't want to go to a forum for that. I want to know that people I'm talking to have, um, you know, intentions that aren't going to be directing me towards their business. I think that's a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, th- those are the general things why the site became successful. Obviously, there was a, a large community that was established and that was kind of the 
the ultimate. You, you, if you create a good platform for people and protect them from the bad things and keep, you know, let them be the, the good parts of a takeover. And that's what ended up happening on the site for the last 25 years is that um, there's been thousands of people that have been able to connect on the site and get together and share lots of fantastic information. And there's not a day on there that something, you know, new doesn't come in from somebody from a different part of the state or even outside. There's people from California, Florida, Tennessee, all over the country um, that participate on the site. So it's, it's let's Pennsylvania. Talk about the, let's talk about that sense of community that your site has. Sure. How did that sort of, was there, when was the first like, Hey, you know what? Let's, uh, Let's all meet together and go fishing. And that's probably the biggest surprise that ever happened for me, Rob, in the site was I got a message from someone saying, hey, we're all getting together. And this is probably like about 98. We're getting together. Uh, do you want to go fly fishing with us? And I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool idea. Sure. I don't really know these guys, but you know, I see their names on here. So we got together to fly fishing one time. And then they hit me up with another one like about four months later. And it goes, there's actually a lot of us getting together. Do you want to do that? And I'm like, well, I have a conflict that weekend. And then later on, they sent email and pictures that about 20 of them got together. They were all fly fishing up at, up, up, up in um, central Pennsylvania. So that's pretty cool. I said, we're going to name this the Jamboree. And I'm going, okay, that's cool. And so subsequently from there, that we've had these things that every year called the Jamboree. And uh, we have up to like 100 people get together uh, at the Jamboree every year in central Pennsylvania, go to a campground and you know, there's plenty of places to fly fish up there. So it's not like we're going to go crowd one stream, but um, there's a lot of guys get together for something like that. There's been lots of people along the way that, and I was just with a few guys this past weekend that um, we were out of Castleman in Maryland and they invited me to go fishing with them. And they said, Dave, thank you very much. You know, so I'm talking to Andrew and Greg and Matt and Don. I said, we would have never known each other unless for the site. And they all connected on the site probably about uh, 18 years ago. So they all hang out and go fly fishing together now. And they live in different parts of Western Pennsylvania. So there's a lot of people that had been doing that. And that was a, kind of the part early on that kind of blew me away. I was like, I'm kind of creating a site for maps on where to go fly fishing. I didn't realize this was sort of going to be some sort of fly fishing dating site. There's been a lot of that. You know, people have made some personal connections with each other and usually it's just done like hey i see you're fly fishing over at penn's creek once in a while i'd love to get over there and sky will just another one will come back and say hey, yeah i join me i'm going to go up there next weekend and so people would make connections and stuff like that so um there's like little groups of people all over the state that have made themselves uh, available to help each other out and that's one of the things i try to then and still on the site is I kind of viewed the site for me was a way to give back to the sport. And, you know, a couple of people helped me get started. And so I, I highly encourage with uh, the comments pretty occasionally that, you know, fly fishing is a sport we need to give back to to other people. And whether it's someone that, you know, just getting started in the sport or someone who wants to come out your way, you know, share a little bit. It's okay. You know, it's always a good thing to help somebody else out and what we're doing and, uh, you know, pay it forward kind of thing. So that's always, we were all novices ourselves at one point yeah so when, how long have you been fly fishing i know everybody else knows it who's uh, uh, so i was fifth grade maybe mm-hmm. so i'm 44 now so it's been a while yeah i started trout fishing when i was a kid and I, I, my, my my parents had these little box of pictures that i just recently got a hold of and there's all these little pictures of me about you know four and five six years old with trout in my hand that i was 
out. But I wasn't fly fishing. I was up in the Poconos, mostly with my uncle and my dad. We'd go up to some of the lakes up there and we'd go fly fishing for some of the stock streams and, and lakes and things like that. You may know the person who got me into all of this it was uh, Mac Hodel. I don't think I know Mac. He, he may be the PA Fly Fish Forum lurker or maybe a poster. There's a lot of people on that forum that I have. I mean, and a lot of people, you know, may have a name or just lurk. You know, a lot of people, the people that engage in the site, you know, it's like the old 80-20 rule, you know, like 80% of the people that are on there are talking. There's, I mean, there's only 20, it's only really only 20% of them. 80% of the people just sort of watch and lurk in the background. I don't know that name though. Uh, how'd you get connected with him? I grew up in the same, same neighborhood almost. My brother went to school with him. So Mac is three years older than me. My brother's two years older. So yeah, he, he's the one to put a fly rod in my brother's hand. I just grabbed it, started playing with it. And then I'd see Matt fishing. We had a lake across the street. It's warm water. And I would see him there on Saturday mornings. My brother's at swim meets. So I'd go hang out and fish with him. And his parents, uh, I believe, have a place in, in Carlisle. So he's he's a South Central trout angler. Yeah, it's a good spot to be fly fishing. That's one of my favorite spots to go to right now. It's within striking distance for me, so I go there quite a bit. Yeah, it's about two hours to Falling Springs for me. I haven't gotten to Falling Springs in a while. It's on my list this year. It's um, tough. Yeah, that I, I was just up at Big Spring a couple months ago. That's another one that's... Have you been, have you been there in a while? Uh, I It's been a couple of years, but I remember it back in the 90s, early 2000s, when it was the ditch, and it was just yeah. absurd. I was trying to explain to my client the other day that these trout would be so fat and lethargic, they'd be perpendicular to the current. It's a, it's a, they've done a lot of work in there. The uh, Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission took another section um, probably about eight, 10 years ago, did some rehabilitation to the area. So it's been uh, updated and, you know, it's, they changed a lot of the gravel around uh, so that the conditions would be a little more conducive for the brook trout. Because really, interestingly enough, there's no really no brown trout in that stream. It's really just rainbow trout and brook trout. They're trying to make it so that the naturally the it's more conducive for the brook trout to be more successful in there. And they are, but the the, the rainbow trouts are just monsters in there. Uh, and when you get up to the stream, it's just such an interesting stream. It's just so wild to look at because you're kind of going, okay, how do you do this? But it's like a lot of streams in Pennsylvania. You know, you, your approach to one stream is it's never the same. What you do at Latour is not really the same what you do at Big Spring or they all have these, you know, even the yellow breaches, which are all really similar limestone kind of fed streams or limestone, or limestone influence streams. And all of them are somewhat similar, but really a lot different for each one of them as well when you approach them. So it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah. But... Um, I actually enjoy some of my favorite streams are even a little farther up north. They almost have these different sections. So you have the South Central area with a lot of those limestone influence. Can you break down the Pennsylvania sort of physical geography yeah. of where the streams are and their types? Yeah. So from a geography standpoint, you know, you look at Pennsylvania, look at a map, you, you, you can almost break it down. I, I think in almost in six quadrants. Okay. Now they, that six quadrants doesn't mean the exact types of freestone versus limestone streams, but you can generalize a little bit that the, the mountain range, the, the Appalachians sort of end up across, come out of 
you know, West Virginia and Virginia and extend up from central Pennsylvania up to Scranton. So there's a mountain range that sort of extends there. And when you break those six sections down, as you mentioned, south, central, there's a southeast, a northeast, north central, northwest, and southwest. And I'd say all those kind of, if you break it down to those kind of broader sections, you can generalize a little bit what goes on. And a lot of like the south central area, um, is those limestone-influenced streams. Not all of them, but many, many are in there in that section, and, and they offer some really fantastic fishing. There's some incredibly well-known streams like the Tort and things like that that people would recognize. Um, you know, everyone goes, yeah, let's go to the Tort, but that's, like you said, falling spring um, or green spring. Pretty challenging waters, and if you can get out of there on a, on a good day with a few fish, you've done well for yourself. Um, it's not the kind of place you can just walk in and you know, throw on a green weenie and you're going to go kill it. It's going to be something you can investigate a little bit ahead of time, know what the hatches are going to be. And, you know, it's the kind of stream I would walk up to and, and look at for five or 10 minutes before I even, you know, put anything on my, my fly on before even tackling it. Cause it's just, there are just really some challenging streams in some of those areas. I think the other more popular area is the North central area. Again, you still have some limestone influenced waters uh, like Penn's Creek and Spring Creek. Uh, in the in the in center county which is near penn state and that's just you know well known i'm sure you've got a lot of people in yourself that are pretty familiar with those sections of water would you say mm-hmm. that's true i'd, I'd say a, a fair number of the the east coasters would know yeah i mean so there's three big streams in that section around state college so little juniata little J. it's called penn's creek and spring creek and all those streams have natural reproducing trout in there and uh, so with, you know, these wild trout, um, they really act and conduct themselves really differently than a lot of other places. I was at Penn's Creek two weeks ago and uh, had my butt handed to me yet again. I always say when I go to Penn's Creek, I just keep going back to torture myself because, you know, you can either do really well for a few days, you can do really poorly. And I found it poorly part of the, the trip. But I was up there not to go necessarily catch fish, but to get away. I did get away, which was nice, uh, but the the meltwater was still happening, but it's just beautiful areas. I mean, you have, you know, wild fish, naturally producing rainbow, not rainbow, excuse me, brown trout in there. They're just finicky as all get out, but the, you know, Penn's Creek, for example, is just a bug factory. I mean, you can get into a spot in there, um, you can have multiple hatches going off in May and June, and it just becomes something of a... A spectacle quite honestly it's really pretty fascinating and so those three streams in that area are pretty fantastic but i always kind of encourage people not just to look at the big streams that are well known but look at the the feeder streams that are there other parts of them that are pretty pretty exciting you know, you know penn's creek has another stream that feeds into it called elk creek wonderful stream little smaller than pens and a great alternative to pens if things are crazy on pens and or, or you can't figure pens out for example and farther up north Again, central Pennsylvania, you get into more freestones, and those freestone streams are more mountainous. And so you have uh, things like First Fork, which was one of my favorite streams up in um, Potter County. You have Kettle Creek, another really well-known stream up there for people. And most of these people up there are are having hunting cabins because it's much more mountainous. So you have mountain streams uh, that are part of the feeders for all these there's a lot of wild brook trout streams up in that way too that you can kind of go after besides the the stock streams of the ones i just mentioned there so a lot of these streams these freestone streams are all stocked um 
but that stocking they're putting a quite amount of fish in there trout as you know would turn turn towards the the aquatic insects that are there pretty quickly and so you're you know they're getting stocked in march you know by april and may they're pretty quickly adapted to the the hatches that are coming off and uh, make it for a lot of fun and experiences and opportunities. There's Pine Creek up that way. So I'd say the central part of Pennsylvania has the most fishing opportunities, but it's also most diverse. Uh, The number of streams is just fantastic. Everything from stock streams to special projects to natural reproducing streams. There's a lot there for someone to go after and you could spend months and I've, as i've spent years trying to uncover all these different places and get to them with um, the stocked fish what is the pa fly fish consensus on palominos that's funny you mentioned that. i don't think it's too controversial you know it sounds like you're asking that that there's an issue and most people the biggest controversy i'd say in my forum is the state stocking over natural reproducing waterways so no one really talks too much about palominos that I'm aware of. What, what happens down in your, your forum and conversation about palominos? They just kind of get a bad rap as just complete like mutant derps from a lab. Test tube yeah. fish that are just weird looking. Yeah. Yeah. I was out in Castleman a few years ago and uh, there's a section of water out there. It's in Maryland. And uh, some that year, the, the Maryland must have stocked hundreds and hundreds of palominos we was in a section of the water that was um dark by staining of whatever was in the area so the stream bed was stained pretty dark and you looked out across this one pool and there was probably 50 or 60 palominos in it and you're like going what happened here with this it was just this weird looking thing out there i don't get too hung up on the palominos i mean to me they're just another version of some sort of stock trout you know pennsylvania stocks a lot of trout I mean, they, there's a lot of fish that are stocked up in Pennsylvania. So I think a lot of anglers up that way are viewing things, you know, kind of a, at a graduation or of, of how they fly fish. You start off going after stocked fish, and then some people diverge and go into, well, I'm going to fish wild, you know, naturally producing trout. And then some people sort of stick with, okay, I'm just going to go where I can get catch some fish today. There's some people that are really diligent about only fishing over uh, naturally reproducing trout and wild trout up in Pennsylvania, though. All right. They're the ones that kind of get adamant about the state not stocking over top of what we call Class A waters up that way. Other and, Pennsylvania fishing questions. Tell out-of-staters, or sorry, out-of-commonwealthers <laughs> about the license display on your, you'll see people in Pennsylvania with a license on the back of their hat often. If yeah, you've never just, Pennsylvania, could you explain that? Yeah, so the, they, they've actually just changed that over the last couple of years. So you, you used to have to display your license. So you'd have a license and you'd fold it up into a little square and you'd put it in the back and, and you could put it in the back of your hat, the back of your vest, but it had to be displayed and it would have to dis- you'd have to display the year number name. And I think it was e- for easy identification if a water conservation officer was sort of watching you in some way, they could put their binoculars up and see if you had a license or not. Pretty easy to see. Now, they just changed that and that you don't need to display your license like you used to. Uh, and more recently in the last, not more recently, the last five to 10 years, they've brought back buttons. So, and I've done this, you can, you can order a, a fishing license, no longer have to display it, but you need to have it on you. You're also supposed to can, can keep your, your uh, driver's license with you too, but you can just display this button if you want. 
And you, that's not required, but it's an option. So they have buttons that you can put in your hat or your vest or something like that. That's around, you know, two inch button that says, you know, you've got a fishing license. Another so. oddity you guys have is the opening day. Yeah, it used to be staggered. Well, let's just take a higher level up. So there are special regulation streams in Pennsylvania. And they're probably very notable waters, very in length from a mile to 15 miles long. And there's many dozens of these spread out across the state, the Tort being one, Penns being another, Spring Creek, some very notable names, any, all Valley Creek around Pennsylvania and Philadelphia area. And these, fishy, these fisheries are, are waterways are, are open year round. So in a special reg, you can fish there whenever you want. Doesn't mean you can take a fish. And each one of these special regulations often is unique in itself on how they handle it. Uh, everything from catch and release year round to all tackle gear to harvesting that's delayed starting, let's say, June 15th because it's a freestone and all the fish are going to die anyway. Some of these are stock, some of them aren't. So there's special regulation streams varying in length all over the state, and they can be fished year-round. The rest of the state, I just generalize with the stocking, which most people are going to recognize. And there used to be sort of these delayed stockings, one the early part of April for southeast Pennsylvania. And then there was a, another one that occurred the middle of April on the rest of the state. This year, they, had, they did away with it all. They're just moving it all into a one-season opening kind of scenario, and they may go back to the staggered opening. Um, I find Maryland kind of confusing too, to be honest with you. Which I don't. Maybe I don't fish. You have to know each stream whether it's closed or open at certain times, like by two weeks or something like that. Do you ever follow that one? I've not fished Maryland in quite a long time. Yeah, I find that one confusing. Pennsylvania does have a, some has had some staggered fishing, but in the winter time, or I'd say. I don't say off season, but in non-traditional springtime season, you can get to uh, these special regulation areas and go fishing. Uh, but then, you know, once in this year coming up after April 3rd starts, you can just get about anywhere you want to go. Cool. Yeah. Uh, another, I have asked this earlier, but when you were hosting in the 90s, did you worry about the Y2K? I did a little bit. I was in the technology industry. So my career took me from, you know, studying geographic information systems into selling computers to starting my own business. We were an IT support services business. And so I had a pretty strong knowledge of technology. More fear porn to me than anything else. I mean, you know, it was always, everyone was waiting for the whole world to collapse in 1999. And when we switched over on December 31st of 2000, nothing happened. It became pretty evident, you know, obviously that it wasn't a big deal and I wasn't too concerned about it ahead of time. If that's any help. <laughs> All right. And uh, back to the buttons. Do you have specific PA five fish buttons for one forum angler to recognize another out on the water? No, no, those, those, those buttons I was referring to were issued by the state. If I right. Do you guys make your own? Do you have a little button? No, no, I haven't done that. No. From we used to have hats. Home. Used to have hats. Uh, you could see, I'd recognize someone with a hat or a PAFF Euro sticker in the back of their car. Nice. Yeah, it's hard to find another Tidal Potomac fly rod angler when you're out on the water, unless they have one of our hats on. I find it kind of interesting. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of maybe, I mean, because of my, I, my avatar on the site and I've been on there so long, but sometimes people 
which I, I'm, I laugh at, have recognized me. So let me, so this last year I was walking up Penn's Creek and someone walked along and said, Hey, are you Dave Kyle? And I just laugh and I go, yeah, what did I do? Uh, I'm not sure if they're gonna be mad at me or, or happy with me, you know? Did I toss you off the site or not? But no, it was just somebody who uh, who recognized me at my avatar, which is why I keep my real name in my avatar. So if someone sees me, I, I look like who I am when I'm out fly fishing is what it comes down to. If you get to the site, you see my avatar. That's who I, what I look like. Right. And it's always nice to strike up a conversation with someone and, you know, talk about who they are, where they've been, what they're doing. And do you usually know a lot more about that location than I do? And they're more than willing to share a few tips or tricks on, you know, what's going on. And, um, it's good good to see people and meet up with people um, offline. You know, it's always nice to hear some complimentary words that are about what you've done. I mean, I feel like, you know, the site that I created there, and again, I get a couple hundred thousand people that visit it a year, know that it has an imp- a positive impact for people. And I mean, I've been doing that for 25 years that, um, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been a positive experience for people. Uh, especially since, you know, and like you doing the podcast and other things, I've spent thousands of hours of doing this. And it's certainly, you know, there's no Lamborghinis out in my driveway for doing the things that I do with this. Um, this is purely um, an intention of sharing and giving back and evolved into something I didn't really expect. And it's nice to get a thank you once in a while from someone just walk up the stream that, you know, what I've done or what we've done on the site as a community has been a positive thing for people. Yeah. Do you guys ever do any sort of stream cleanups, giving back, helping others when I use the forum as a platform for other organizations to do that. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of great, water conservation efforts by TU. So we don't specifically organize. I highly encourage and advocate for TU chapters to utilize a site to share. And I take it upon my responsibility as well to share when I hear about, I'm a member of Cumberland Valley TU, but if I hear about, you know, another TU chapter doing something, I'm going to promote what's going on with that on the site and make sure, you know, everyone's aware. So, you know, my view is that the site itself is the conduit for everyone to see about all the different things that are going on. But how is, you know, social media, how, how did Zuckerberg impact your forum? And then yeah, other um, places where people can share their information. Like we said earlier, you still survived through a lot. How is PA fly fish competing against big tech as you yeah. hear them called now. Yeah. So I, I see, I've sort of noticed that there's probably three areas that now compete with each other. Traditional forums, um, Facebook, and um, I'd say Google's YouTube are the, you know, kind of three areas. Twitter, which I use, and I, I know you do too as well. Mm-hmm. And I posted yesterday that I haven't caught a bird yet with my bare hands this year. And I dreamt about catching birds with my bare hands last night. Twitter did that to you. That's awesome. man. Yeah. <laughs> totally had a dream about caught? my Twitter post. All right. So how many birds have you caught with your bare hands? Oh, I'm actually at like 10 a year. There was you one really? at the pool. Yeah. We were at the pool like two years ago and a morning dove just landed on a chair and I'm just looking at it and I just walked up and grabbed it and nobody saw. It, and I was so upset. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. 
It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Get a couple, you know, baby ducks and rescue birds every once in a while and take pictures with them. That's pretty cool. I never have caught a bird with my bare hands. Really? No. I had a hummingbird in my garage one. I spent about an hour trying to get the hummingbird out of my garage. I ended up having a net him. Fred lives in the crepe myrtle in the front of the house. I wish he would, you know, like hang out. He's been there for three years. People will see that. I'll post pictures of Fred on Twitter. He's, uh, he's doing well. He just is scared of me. He won't land on me or anything. I would like to. I, I have an English Springer Spaniel and, and now, and I've had one in the past as well. And um, they're bird dogs. So I don't think I get, you know, many birds around my house is what it comes down to. Right. Okay. I do have a bird story. I do. So I was up on Yellow Creek about five years ago. There was a bird that was caught up in some fishing line. Actually, it was a kingfisher fishing on Yellow Creek. And I'm surprised no other anglers had seen or heard him, but he was squawking like you couldn't believe. And I was like, going, what the, what's going on over there? And I saw the bird. And I was like, going, what's going on? You couldn't see, but you soon realized that he had his uh, feet tangled up in some mono. Oh, no. The only time I can think I've ever held a bird is I went over and got that bird out. He was not happy, uh, but I was able to release him from his mono. And I've read that never do that with the blue heron. Oh, really? If they're tangled in line, their first defense is going to be to poke your eyes out. Yeah. They seem kind of like, you know, prehistoric pterodactyls to me. I think they could do that. Yeah. I don't like them. All my clients are always excited and just because they're everywhere eating the herring and shad and they are everywhere around here and they're just loud and they fight and they poop on everything and they're all just gross they all have just beat up wings which it looks like they've been rubbing them against something i don't know yeah i like the baby blue herons in the rookery that's it yeah you have any rookeries rookeries nearby you there oh loads yeah there's an island uh that used to have one they're out in some of the bays there's a lot of birds around here for as urban as we are. And the ospreys are back. So you know the shatter really going to pick up soon. Fingers crossed. So what's the, what's the timing generally on shad down there in Potomac? I usually tell people late April, early May, but it's just been warm. People are getting double digits already. Wow. I'll see if my Saturday client wants to try shad instead. And how and how far do you go generally? Are you sticking oh, pretty close to home? Are you able twenty to minutes to maybe is the farthest yeah. I drive for any? Yeah, I don't see more than twenty miles. To, is probably my furthest location. It's all that's all fantastic. urban and local, and you don't have to drive far from your house to fish it. That's fantastic. Which is why I don't trout fish. Yeah, well, yeah, trout fishing. I'm, I'm generally for me again because I was living in Maryland. I'm I'm putting myself an hour and a half north. Uh, to go somewhere at least typically. So um, what is it about Pennsylvania that just has such good trout for um, our Australian listeners and maybe somebody listening in Oregon? Sure. Yeah. So again, going back to geography, I mean, uh, you have a, a big state, the urban populations are centered around on the West side, Pittsburgh and on the East side, Pennsylvania. 
And in between there, there's a lot of mountainous wooded areas for the most part. There's a lot of farming in the southern areas, but to, you know, to offset that farming, which can be kind of difficult for some trout streams, there's a lot of limestone streams, and those limestone streams are great aquifers to uh, help deal with a lot of that, those problems. So there's a lot of water and a lot of great waterways. They're very, very different. You know, what you see out in um, the Yakagani in Pennsylvania direction is a lot different type of water than you might find in the north central areas in a stream like First Fork. So you have a great range of sizes for trout fishing. Now, like for someone who's maybe looking at New Zealand and going, oh, they have big fish there, or out west in Montana, Wyoming, you don't find those kind of fishing conditions. They're very different, okay? You know, if you listen to someone talk about western, the west, Montana, Wyoming, they're very like, okay, you have these seasons. And Pennsylvania has those seasons on the east coast as well. Um, We're about to start the hatches okay and the hatches being the aquatic insects they're going to come out and so i've been seeing small blueing olives already when i was up and out the last few weeks and on sunday i saw a lot of stone flies but in earnest these hatches really kick in uh, which make it tremendously exciting about mid-april so you'll see certain types of um, mayflies starting to emerge at certain times and then from about mid-april through about early part of june there's a seven to eight week period of there where it's just every week there's a new type of hatch, a new type of mayfly that's coming off the surface. And these trout are typically, you know, gorging on them. May 10th is about the time you're going to see uh, sulfurs coming off across the state. And again, a broad generalization here. And then in um, the end of the month in May, some streams have a, a, a fly, a hatch called the green drake hatch which is the biggest fly we have out here and it's a a big a big hatch on some of the more notable streams that it gets people really pretty excited so you you have a diverse set of water diverse set of hatches and uh, this april to you know early june period is a fantastic time for anglers to get out to pennsylvania and and take advantage of some of these places and i usually for people who are just getting out this way and i do the same when i go out west is you got to get a guide to give you a hand i mean this is really you know when you go on to new water like this it's really hard to do some of these things i think the big difference on the pennsylvania side though is you can wade more often than you would out west out west you're going to want to you know float that's not to say you you wouldn't be waiting out west, but you know if I was going to go out west, I'm going to expect at least one or two of my days to be floating on a, on a raft of some sort. Whereas in Pennsylvania, really, it's only the really big streams, something like the Upper Delaware. Maybe on Pens, if it was really high, that's probably pretty rare. Maybe on Pine Creek, maybe on the Okagani for trout. But, you know, even Penn's Creek, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, people do float that once in a while, but once the water gets down, it's not really possible. So, um, you know, it's more wading than it is floating, but, you know, the diversity is just incredible. And it's, that's probably the biggest part about it all is you, you, you need to, if you're coming out this way, you want to get connected with a guide. You want to talk about when the best times are and what kind of fishing you want to do uh and you know what you prefer and that can be found for you that's what it comes down to should somebody bring their own flies in from out of state or do you think what they'd have for fishing colorado north carolina mountain streams would cut it where you are 
Should they buy local patterns from the fly shops? Of course, support your local fly shops. Yeah, you know, I think so. I, I think, you know, you're going to, you'd want to do that. I do it too. I mean, I even, you know, I was up at Penn's Creek and I went to the Feathered Hook and stopped and saw Jonas there. And, you know, I, I, I don't tie because I did all my, all my work's done electronically online dealing with code. So my tying time was not really available for me. So I'm going to go to a fly shop and, and yeah, grab some local flies for sure and know what's going on and, and take advantage of what they have. I mean, certainly there's always universal flies uh, in the United States that are going to work kind of anywhere. Stuff that you're dealing with maybe in Wyoming, not the same thing you deal with on the Delaware, for example, or on Penn's Creek or on Spring Creek. And even some of these streams that are literally, you know, 20 miles apart, there are going to be some differences of what's happening and what you're going to want to use. So that's why, you know, a fly shop or a guide is going to be really critical when you're first getting out this way to understand what's happening. Do you ever catch a fish that surprises you, a species that is not the target one? Out West, we hear about mountain whitefish. You ever pull in something in Pennsylvania that just not what you intended? I mean, sometimes, you know, depending where you're at, you're going to pull in uh, a bass of some type. There's always, you know, some some streams that are freestone streams, for example, that you kind of go, okay, I'm looking for trout. It's stock trout. And all of a sudden there's a bass on my line. That's probably the, the biggest surprise. Um, there's not too many surprises in Pennsylvania I've come across um, in, in that area. Um, you know, always going to catch fall fish and, and suckers and things like that. And there's more and more people, I think, that are taking advantage of warm water fishing um, and not the traditional just trout fishing. So there's a group of guys in the site that are, you know, really adamant and enjoy smallmouth fishing on the Susquehanna, for example. So that sort of kicks in now. And, and you know, you can do some of that in a pre-spawn situation, but really the warm water fishing in the Susquehanna, for example, is fantastic. Typically, you know, once the water warms up a little bit, you know, the end, mid-June kind of scenario into the summertime. So, you know, if you really wanted to, fly fishing in Pennsylvania can be a, a much longer year-round sport because one of the things, if you're not from the state or know the area, streams do warm up. And, you know, once about August hits or even mid-July, there's a lot of streams either have been exhausted because they're stocked fish or the streams are too warm and you don't want to be fishing those over those waters. And, and you, know, you know, fishing exhausted or warm streams with trout in them is, is not good for the trout if you're practicing catch and release. Um, so there's a lot of warm water alternatives as well. And, and you know, I think more and more people are, are, are becoming aware of and doing things like um, pike and musky fishing. But there's a group of guys that, and you talk about you know, what the form has offered, a group of guys have, have gotten together and started doing snakehead fishing. Heck yeah. And so uh, one of the guys on the site, Fred. Fred Dews? Yeah, yeah. So and Fred that guy started, catches more snakehead than yeah. anybody. Yeah, and Fred's I don't a great know guy. what it is. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's got his own Facebook page, as a matter of fact, we were talking about that earlier. So he's got a Facebook page on bowfins and snakeheads and, and, you know, he's got a whole thing going on with that, that you can, you know, catch up with him and see what's happening. And, and Fred's, Fred's one of those guys we asked about who's been on the site long-term Fred's one of those sites. He's been on the site for probably 20 years and, you know, coming up to the jams and stuff like that, but he lives in Southeast Pennsylvania. And so he's able to take his time and go fly fishing for snakeheads. And do we want to tell people what snakeheads are? Do people don't know what that is? Oh, they definitely know if they listen to this show. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't done that. I haven't done a lot of warm water fishing. That's one of the things I, I want to do. And Any some, shad? 
You do some shad fishing? I, I have not. No, there, come, there come is Come down some. to do shad and snakehead for an afternoon with me. I would love to It'll do be, that. And then there'll be a cicada rod ready to go too. Well, that, that's going to be the fun one to check out. You know, I mean, I mean, I know there's it's in the Wall Street Journal about cicadas, and I'm sure there'll be some fantastic food recipes coming out soon about cicadas. I'm being a little sarcastic. It is going to be interesting to see what that does from a standpoint, what it means for anglers. I mean, you certainly need to be prepared. I know I saw a tweet from you a little while ago with you tying up. How many did you tie up the other night? Uh, I've done two or 300 so far, and I've got 1,100 more hooks. I yeah. found eight hooks yesterday cleaning my office. So there's one pack left. By the time this airs, it'll be sold. But I'm also selling tying kits, which mm-hmm. have foam, legs, wing material, hook, and then body. Because it's going to be crazy here. I mean, just yeah. absolute bonkers. So we were talking about that uh, when I was up in central Pennsylvania a couple of weeks ago about what where the line's going to be. So I think that in Pennsylvania, for example, somewhere around central PA, I'll just call it Center County, is where the line's going to be. And that you might find some on some of the streams I've already mentioned up that way. But a stream like Yellow Breaches, which is in near Carlisle, uh, Pennsylvania, in the center of the state, is going to be kind of a, a big area for that. And then everything south, obviously, in the Maryland and you know areas where you're at, is going to be pretty prolific of what's happening. A lot of non-anglers are not looking forward to that. No, that's going to be kind of nuts. I mean, I remember you know just the whole inundation of it all i actually don't remember it 17 years ago how bad it was where i live my third time dealing with the brood x yeah i mean i remember it but i don't remember it i don't remember fishing them last time yeah i mean there's been other broods that happened i remember one was maybe four or five years ago that hit pennsylvania which it was and there was all of a sudden this hey we're actually catching a lot of fish on cicadas and i was like oh i I drove through Pennsylvania that summer and every tree branch along yeah. the roads were just dead and brown from where they laid their eggs. So it was after the bugs had all died, but you could still see where the tree branches where they ovoposited were all dead and just wall of brown along the entire road for hours. So I, I think it's, you know this is this goes back to other parts of weird experiences I've seen with um insects and trout and wilds and stuff like that so a long time ago i'm saying 15 20 years ago there was a period when elmworms were called um were taking over parts of pennsylvania and they'd eat out a whole mountainside of of leaves but you know it was really bad they were actually spraying for them and stuff like that parts of pennsylvania and there's basically a caterpillar and you know, would would grow up into like a moth or something like that. I forget what I forget what kind of insect it actually was. But these elm worms were a little black, probably about an inch and a half long, and they were just prolific everywhere, all over the parts of the state, and especially central in the mountainous areas. So up on Kettle Creek one time, and these things were dangling down off trees. And you know, this is just I think funny about trout. Trout were literally circling around the bottoms of the of the that are dangling down like sharks and launching themselves out to grab the elm worms as they're coming down their silk lines it was one of the craziest things i've ever seen so naturally we tried to figure out a way to tie up elm worms and dangle them off and throw them out and you throw an elm worm on the water they wouldn't take it but they would see an elm worm dropping down out of the air they'd launch themselves out like a shark and grab it and take it back down so very cool 
Yeah. Well, I'm going to need to uh, get together with you on some of these cicadas. Yeah. That's like a fun thing to do. We'll work uh, it out. Two or three more questions real quick, and then we'll we'll go sure. into the, 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 the random stuff. Uh, are there well-known anglers that people from outside Pennsylvania should know? Pennsylvania anglers, authors, tires? Yeah. So probably one of the uh, guys I really respect a lot and known for quite a while is George Daniel. George actually teaches fly fishing and follows a lot of great anglers after or afterwards and he was he there, joe humphreys was one of the great teachers up at penn state college i think george actually learned from uh joe humphreys and uh, is now doing a lot of this uh, uh kind of teaching at the school at penn state you can actually go to penn state if you didn't know this and get go to fly have fly fishing classes but George has been kind of a, a, a celebrity out this way for quite a while. Um, and I think that, you know, if somebody were to t- Google or just search for George Daniel on YouTube, you'd find a lot of his, his YouTube videos on there. And George provides a lot of information on Euro fishing uh, and trout. Travels not only just in Pennsylvania, but all over the region as well. And it's pretty well known. Um, there's actually a lot of guys out there. There's what I find interesting. There's a bunch of guys who are, especially on YouTube, let's talk about social media. You can type in certain streams or certain names, and they're probably not, you know, expert anglers, but they've been fly fishing long enough. They've done a really good job taking YouTube videos of themselves fly fishing, and they've done a really good job for themselves. One guy's named Wooly Bugged, Wooly Bugger. If you go look on YouTube, uh, another guy, PA Fish and Wilds. Fishing Woods is another guy, and he'll take you to a stream, and he'll go fish there for a half hour. And there's some pretty good anglers. They're catching a lot, quite a bit of fish from some spots that sometimes don't do well. They'll actually take you around the state if you follow some of these guys to different locations. I think you know some of these guys were everywhere from Maryland at the Gunpowder to upper reaches of the Upper Delaware, and so you know you have professionals like George, but you also have a lot of other people who are just anglers you know, taking videos of themselves, which are pretty good. Are there other online resources besides PA fly fish? Or no, is it not. like, uh, if it's not Scottish, it's crap. If it's, it's not PA, PA fly fish, it's crap. It's only PA fly fish. Yeah, no. um, I mean, some of the uh, fly shops do a pretty good job. I mean, they're, they're carrying some information. Uh, and I think some of the TU sites do a couple. I, I honestly... I mean, honestly, I don't spend a lot of time either to, either I'm on my site or I'm not really looking around too much. And it's not because I think my site's the hoo-ha and there's only thing that's out there. It's just that it's just a matter of time. Uh, but, you know, if you look at PA Flyfish, there's a pretty good search engine. If you want to look at cicadas and look over the years, you can type in cicadas, for example, and you'll find out conversations that were happening five, ten many years ago about cicadas and i don't just mean about that topic but you know it's just the way it's set up if you want to type in a stream and learn about the castleman you can type in castleman on the site and you'll get a bunch of conversations or stream reports about the castleman so it's a great depository deposit of 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 resources information and conversation now like any forum there's a lot of um, clutter in there with conversations but there's a lot of meat in there too excellent okay i'm gonna ask some other questions now if you're ready, mm-hmm. have you had a camera around your neck the entire time we've been recording? It's about the only time I've taken a camera off my neck. Actually. Okay. Cause every time I've met you, you've got a camera around your neck. Yeah. I'm probably a better photographer than I am angler. Tell you the truth. <laughs> your Instagram's pretty awesome. 
And it looks like magazine, like it's you shoot for men's journal or something. Wow, that's a very nice compliment. Thank you. Yes. I, 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 um, I do love photography. I actually consider photography definitely, along with fly fishing, my, my two favorite hobbies. The challenge for me has always been, I find fly fishing photography incredibly challenging to do, though. I mean, I can go take pictures in around my town or when I'm traveling or a cityscape as I go somewhere and really knock some, I think, some fantastic images off. But when I get on the stream, I just struggle with coming out with a, an image or two that I think really um, is worthy. Once in a while, I get one, but I just find fly fishing photography incredibly challenging. So maybe that's why I like to do it. All right. Uh, who has the best sandwich in Pennsylvania? Well, well, I'm going to, I'm going to say what they say in the forum. Okay. So we actually had a lot of conversations about this and, and one of the best place to go is Deb's at Cross Forks in Pennsylvania. Okay. It's just a bar has great french fries hamburgers and sandwiches up there so if you're up on kettle creek you got to go to deb's that sounds pretty good you know our uh our beer tie location whitlow's is closing i'm hoping they open up out here near me so i can go get a good good sandwich and burger there well that's kind of like on the forum is one of the cool things you we do is you know you're sharing information about you know not only your fly fishing because um, it's the other experiences. And, and I think that's a broader topic, actually, that I try to encourage. You know, I was fishing on Sunday with these guys who met in the forum 20 years ago. You know, we ended up not doing too great in the morning and then went, found another spot on the castle in the afternoon and did a little bit better, felt a little bit better about ourselves. And then by chance, we walked up the street and where we had just parked and we found a little coffee shop and it turned out the coffee shop was a great restaurant. And we sat down and had a great meal together. Nice. And so, you know, to me, as much as the fly fishing is, is awesome and catching a lot of fish, it's the experience of where you're at, who you're with and, and, and the other things that are involved. So finding a good sandwich or a good beer or a good meal, the experience is, is more important than really catching all the fish anymore for me. So, um, you know, in the forum, part of that's shared too, as to where you want to go and where you can sleep and if you're going to stay at a campground or if you've got a bed and breakfast to hit or some other things like that. Excellent. Uh, do you have any bad habits your family wants you to get rid of? Any bad habits when you're fishing? Are you a chain smoker? I gave all that up years ago. Okay. I'm trying to think of any bad habits. I've, tried, I've, I've done, I've done better over the years. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in my upper fifties now and I've tried to get, I got rid of most of my bad habits probably in my thirties, uh, I would say. Good. Uh, what's your home fly shop? I don't have one. <laughs> I mean, there's really the closest fly shop I have is the one in Frederick. You've been up that one before Frederick, Maryland. Oh. Yeah. It's an Orvis shop over there. Um, okay. It's not all Orvis, but I mean, he has a lot of Orvis gear in there. Sims. Do you have any irrational superstitions? Mm. Anything that you see coming, you're going to cross the street? Um, when I golf, how's that? I, I, I play golf a little bit. So when I golf and I put my ball marker down, I take my golf ball and I tap it. To, I tap the ball marker or the twice. So I mark it, pick it up, tap, tap, pick, and then I pick my ball up. Okay. Uh, do you fish barbed or barbless? I both. I don't know. I'm like, I'm one of those anglers that uh, it doesn't matter to me. What is your favorite Easter candy as we enter the 
spring candy season. Always Reese's. I can eat Reese's all the time. That's the probably one bag. Peanut butter cup. Yeah, I'm kind of like a regular Reese's cup kind of guy. And I know my wife probably has some that she's bought already. And and then when Easter comes, uh, my kids who are in their 20s will come home and we'll still get little Easter baskets with Reese's cups in it for my wife. Excellent. Uh, what's something that you bring in all your trips besides a, a camera? <laughs> it's probably my camera. <laughs> all right. Uh, I've, I've, been, I've, I've been bringing a drone once in a while now. Cool. Uh, when appropriate. I don't want to bother someone with a drone because I know some people get really freaked out by that. But um, I, I'll, I'll bring a drone up. And if I'm in a spot where I seem to be by myself or not a lot of anglers or people, I'll, I'll throw that up, um, which is kind of fun to do. As a matter of fact, I had the drone up when I was up in First Fork in the fall up there by myself and I was flying my drone over First Fork. And I watched the video afterwards and I was pretty high up. Let's just say I was 250 feet up with the drone and right below it, I could see there was an Eagle on a tree that I flew over top of, which was kind of cool. So. Nice. Very cool. What is your drink? So let's say you come down for shad fishing and it's awesome. We decided to come back here for a little sundowner afterwards. What should I have prepared for you? Basil Hayden bourbon. Okay. I did, have... a blog, I, did, I did a blog post about infinity bourbon. You're, you're familiar with that? No. I've had the peanut uh, butter bourbon. All right. Now, yep. And infinity, you have to go look, Google infinity bourbon PA fly fish. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're all going to go check it out. Uh, is there a celebrity you would like to fish with? A, an angling or non-angling celebrity? Wow. That's a tough one. Uh, what, ang what, what, ang what celebrities fly fish? Oh, like Liam Neeson. We've got uh, Henry, Henry, Henry Winkler fly fishes. Yeah, trying to get him on this show. It's, oh yeah, you know, I'd say probably Henry Winkler. You know, I grew up watching Happy Days, and you know, he seems like a pretty cool guy, pretty down to earth, not too hung up on himself. I think yeah. it'd be pretty cool to go. Uh, it's a really chat good book. A yeah, he's a good Twitter too to follow. Oh, I don't follow him. I have to go follow. Yeah, him. and I'm always like, hey, how about we get you on my podcast? Because I've reached out to his publicist and other things in, in Hollywood to no luck. No luck at all. Yeah. Uh, next question. If you were allowed any type of pet, wild or exotic, domestic, regardless of laws or regulations for where you live, what would you like to have? Uh, ferret. Ferret. Yeah, they're not legal here. I don't know if they're, 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 they're legal in some states, aren't they? think so but i don't think they're legal in virginia anymore i don't know if you can buy them i had a roommate yeah. with them and they would just run around the house dropping poops his oh, really? smelled of just yeah i don't i don't need that i mean that was I mean, you probably need to qualify how long i'd want to have it you know? i got a dog i got enough poop to pick up gross yeah a ferret though it'd be like Beastmaster traveling with a ferret on the stream oh uh, you remember that movie yeah i tried showing my daughter she wasn't into it that was a that was a great movie growing up it was the 80s right yeah that was definitely on hbo when i was a little kid Oh, that was funny. Yeah. All right. Tell us about that most memorable day of fishing. What, what's one day that was just everything lined up for you? So it actually was Penn's Creek a few years ago. And I find Penn's Creek to be tremendously challenging. It's always a mystery to what happens there. And again, it's a, it's a little bit bigger water, wild, naturally reproducing brown trout. And uh, you can go there and catch nothing or catch three. And if you catch three, you can be pretty happy with yourself sometimes. 
So I was there actually in like April, about four or five years ago, there was a hatch of um, blue and gloves coming off. I ended up trying to match that hatch a little bit, bit and I couldn't catch anything. So I ended up tying on for some reason, just a rusty spinner. And this is about 11 o'clock in the morning, like a size 16. And for the rest of the day with that rusty spinner, I caught trout all day long. And I was just you know, pretty, pretty proud of myself that, you know, not that I really matched the hatch because I really didn't, but uh, I was able to catch some fish in a stream that I was never very successful at and just had a ball that day. And, and actually ended up being the same thing for the next three days. I just tied a rusty spinner on and the whole week weekend there, I was just catching fish. So it was one of those days that I think is pretty fantastic. I like it. Where's that rusty spinner now from the first day you went out? Did you retire mm-hmm. it? been destroyed i'm sure okay um, that's one of my favorite flies by the way is the rusty spinner if anything's up on top their surface and i can't catch it i throw on a rusty spinner okay dave where can listeners find you sure paflyfish.com yep so you know paflyfish.com is probably the the easiest way to find me you can type in pennsylvania fly fishing you'll find me there twitter is another place i'm at uh, you can type in Dave Kyle, PA Flyfish Twitter or PA Flyfish Twitter. But uh, paflyfish.com is where uh, my home is. And uh, I've been there for 25 years. Fantastic. Weekend or weekday can be better for Shad and Snakehead? I'm pretty flexible. I no longer uh, have the constraints of uh, some of the working things that I used to. So I'm pretty flexible. You tell me. Yeah, let's figure out a weekday. All right. How long would it take you to get to the Potomac River from where you are? hour probably an hour yeah all right we'll figure something out yeah love to do it all right my friend i will see you at chain bridge then outstanding thank you so much for the opportunity to uh you know share my my little experiences in life and fly fishing and, and really do appreciate your podcast as well and congratulations on number 300 thank you all right my man have a good day right. you too Cheers. take care bye bye Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6'8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. In wild country, 
Rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.